This is live from the Formosa Tea House, Session 5, recorded Wednesday, November 2nd, 2005. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to live at the Formosa Tea House. Live from the Formosa Tea House. Live from the Formosa We're having some branding issues. Um, I'm Stephen Garrity. I'm Peter Rukavina. And I'm Dan James. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about zapping your PRAM. Um, the Zap Your PRAM was actually, cons- conference was conceived here. Uh, no, at the old Formosity. At the old Formosity, yes, they've since moved. But it was over a launch similar to this one. Um, and what was that thing that we conceived? Uh, what, how, when was that, 2003? Summer of 2003, I guess. We had just started dating. <laughs> In our uh, we meaning silver orange and reinvented, I guess. Yeah. And we had started going for lunch. I don't remember what the I think you had said something like we were talking about zapping your PRAM like in the real world on a Macintosh, and you said something like I'd like to have a conference called Zap Your PRAM, and I said okay. I think the the conference idea came up first, hmm. and then I came up with the lame name Zap Your PRAM, and somehow it it stuck. Yeah. Um, but the idea, I guess, was to have a small, low-key conference on Prince Edward Island that we would all go to, and rather than going to conferences ourselves, we would invite interesting people to come and hang out with us. And amazingly, with relatively little money and organization, a very good conference came about. Yeah. We didn't... It was remarkable that the lack of work that it took to have a conference. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we had a good venue. Yes. It was at um, Dan's parents' house in Inn and Cavendish. Um, and, uh, well, it was... All we really did was arrange for food, invite a bunch of interesting people, ask them to talk, and uh, everyone showed up. And we had about 25 people, do you think? I think so, somewhere around there. And we had people from the States and from Canada. Two guys from Germany who came by accident. Um, Dave Weiner came by accident. Um, yeah, and we had a dinner on Saturday night and uh, that was lots of fun. I'd say it was a success. Yeah. I guess the best way to experience Zapier PRAM 1 is to go to zapierpram.org and read the website and the history in the comments and you can actually watch all the presentations in video or listen to them in audio. Hmm. And then, after Zapier PRAM, there was, we all, everyone wondered when would we do Zapier PRAM 2. Well, everyone, I don't know. We kind of wondered that, I guess. But Buzz wondered. Buzz Brugman wondered. Who was one of the speakers. Um, and uh, we just really didn't seem to have the interest to do it again right away. So, Zapier I think, PRAM too, we didn't want to have a conference just because we were supposed to have another conference. We yeah. wanted to do it so it was authentic and genuine and yeah. we really wanted to do it. So yeah. I think we waited long enough for the expectation of having another conference to wear off. Mm-hmm. So Zach, your PRAM 2 never happened. And uh, we waited long enough. Now we want to have Zach, your PRAM 3. But this time with snow. Yeah. So from February date, man? 
I didn't write down the dates. Oh, oh good God. <laughs> I think we're doing a very good job of, of, of introducing this conference. Think of it as a sort of improvised conference. All right. We're uh, doing February 16th to 19th. Yeah. In Cavendish, Prince Edward Island, which is the middle of the Cavendish and Prince Edward Island winter. So it will be beautiful here, but in a very snowy sort of beauty. There's a possibility right. that we could get storm stayed for a week altogether and... And invent have something to, new. Right, and have to eat the soles of our shoes and things. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going for a hunkering down uh, sort of aesthetic. Gathering around the fire. Right. There could be marshmallows. Hot chocolate. In Prince Edward Island, we call it being stormed in. Um, but that apparently. Uh huh. You're not from here. I thought it was called Storm State. Well, that too. Um, that's if you're at someone else's house. Oh, well, this. Well, right, so we would be Storm State at uh, Kindred Spirits. Yeah. And there's a whole host of activities and traditions that go along with it. Like last year, I got Storm State at Dan's house. And we played John Madden football on the Xbox for like 24 hours. <laughs> I was nearly killed. Uh, it's fair to say you outstayed your welcome on that one. Oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're, uh, we're quite unsure as to what we're going to talk about at Dr. VRM3. Who's going to come? Whether anyone but the three of us is going to come. We're pretty sure Nate is going to come. Um, but that's about it right now. Um, some of the people I met at Reboot in June have expressed some interest in coming, uh, and we've got some ideas as to what we might talk about, but in the improvisational style of Zapier Peter M1, I guess we're just going to let it happen. Yeah. And it seemed to last time, so we have confidence that it will this time. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a horrible failure. But it would be fun nonetheless. Correct. So, if you go to zapierpram.org slash three... You can learn all about Top Your Free Arm 3, or at least what we know of it. And it's a wiki, so you can help us make it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we haven't figured out how much it's going to cost, but it will be relatively nominal. Um, just enough. It'll be far less than the Web 2.0 conference. <laughs> Probably by exponential factors. Maybe exactly by like an exponential factor of 10. We'll look into that. Okay, <laughs> we'll look into that. We'll get our people on that. Yeah. That's one of the things is that we actually have no people. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think we're. It's not a like a multi-track, super duper executive director. Oh, but there is one track that you're talking about well, that you're excited about. Do you want to talk about that on sure, air? Yeah. Oh. Uh, sort of a number of things came together. We're here at the tea house drinking tea. Um, the people here at the tea house know a lot about tea and coffee and uh, Nikolai, who I met at. Uh, Reboot is a self-confessed coffee geek and uh, roasts his own beans in a popcorn popper. And uh, there's a coffee roaster here in Eastern TDI, and I'm a big fan of Honest Tea and thought I might invite the Honest Tea guys to come and speak. So this is all sort of shaping up to maybe be a coffee and tea hacking track or afternoon or something like that. And I'm not really sure what that means, but... Uh, I'm quite looking forward to it. If it happens... <laughs> So that's just sort of one idea. I guess this, like, I guess at, at Zappy Program 1, we talked about what? We talked about everything. It's, it, the format that we chose was that every participant in the conference would be a speaker, and every speaker was a participant. So there was, there was often more conversations than presentations yeah. that happened. Which but is not to say that to come, you have to make a formal presentation or stand up in front of the group of people. And the topics were more like, um, we invited a bunch of interesting people and got them to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. I guess that was the core, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, when we were first thinking about how to do it, it was like, we'll have people come and talk about what they're interested in and answer questions and 
inspired discussions, and that's really yeah. what we're doing. And now. we want to do that again. And in terms of coming up with that list of interesting people, it will be uh, like it was last time. It's a pseudo invitation thing where um, we'll be inviting people, uh, but if it's something you're interested in, let us know. Yeah. There's a good chance we'll invite you. Is it fair to say that uh, we're not particularly interested in this being just another conference? Yeah. So I think that means that we're not particularly about the latest bandwagon or the latest nifty technology or... You're really queuing me up, aren't you? This will no, be I'm not going to take the bait. Okay. Today. I'm more, more interested in spending a weekend sitting around the fireplace having hot chocolate. Um, talking about the meaning of life with interesting people. Right, which dictates how many people come to the conference yep. and, and what type of people come yeah, to the I conference. Yeah, I can't imagine it would ever be more than... 35. Yeah. Um, I just eat a, eat a piece of bamboo. That's surprisingly unappetizing. <laughs> Excuse me while I shed my bamboo. Um, yeah, so I guess if you're listening and you're interesting, which I guess is the only real criteria for attending... I think if you're listening to this, then you're interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you think that. Uh, then uh, go to zapyourprogram3.org and look around and uh, let us know if you're interested in coming. And probably in the next month or so, we'll have a sort of a more formalized registration process. And yep. With costs and yeah. travel options and so on and so forth. But there's some information there about about how to get here. There's actually a wiki page where you can um, sort of indicate your interest and. Uh, We'll see what happens. Yeah. And in terms of cost, we haven't held it down yet, but you know, we're talking the order of hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Like one or two hundreds of dollars. Probably. probably we may go a little higher than that, but we have to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. But it's not gonna cost five hundred or a thousand dollars. Um or not much more than that. Um So that's Z A P Y O U R. If you search Google for you search Google for Zapier PRAM, I believe we're number one. That's right. And it's not Zapier Pram. Although if you want to say it like that, that's okay. If Peter thinks it's okay, I will disrespect you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is that enough Zapier PRAM? Nobody's gonna come. I think I'm gonna have to go for a second uh, second round of screen. I'm still hungry. We should explain that we're in the coveted back room here at the Formosa Tea With the newly installed window. Yeah. Which has dramatically it, changed the atmosphere. Making it less dungeon-like and more pleasant-like. Yeah. <laughs> this is some great radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't listen to this. No disrespect to our listeners. No. And I'm just finishing off bamboo rice. But yeah, so we are eating and drinking while we do this. Yeah. Thus capturing the uh, live essence of our lunchtime conversation. So... We struggled with the Zap 3 for a while because, um, you know, we weren't sure what it should be. Should it have a theme? Should it be on PEI? Should we do it at all? Should we have invite all the people that we invited to Zap 1? Because there were some great people there. But if we invited all the same people, would it just be the same conference? And would we have to live up to the expectations of the first conference? Yeah. Um, and what made the first conference work well, I think, was that it just got a bunch of interesting people together in a neat unique venue, which is what I think basically we're going to try to do again. But that's all the two have in common so now, far. Now, we did wrestle with a with a theme. Um, I briefly was trying to push uh, my agenda of having a canoe trip um, with 20 or so people. Zap your beer and now it canoes. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, while it, it, 
it had some heavy supporters. There was a generally a, a feeling of that's the stupidest thing in the world, uh, and we wouldn't. Well, I never thought it was the stupidest thing in the world, but it would attract a certain brawny type of attendee. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas brawn is not necessarily an no. attribute we're looking for. Although no, John, nothing John against Muir, the brawny listener at LASCOM. Who did? John Muir. That's true. The father of outdoor recreation. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's the other John Muir. You're confusing me with your witty banter. Uh, yeah, I think we, well, we even talked about, uh, well, actually, I talked to myself about doing it in the various airports of the world, and each session would be in a different airport. But We talked about briefly uh, about doing it in another location, like, mm-hmm. but I think why we decided to keep doing it here was because while this is home for us, and it's not very exotic, for most of the people that come, it is kind of a unique place to come, especially in the winter. There's absolutely no other reason to come to Prince Edward Island in the winter, I guess. Other than Zach Yeah. And so there are absolutely no, unless you're particularly interested in snowbanks. We have some pretty good ones, too. And the icy spray of the ocean in winter. Uh, Um, There will be no distractions. Or maybe if you were, say, a Hollywood star interested in stopping the seal hunt. (laughs) <laughs> like Richard Dean Anderson <laughs> or Bridget Bardot for example yeah but it's I think it's relatively safe to say that the tourism season in PEI is at its absolute ebb in from February well, 16th to Cavendish so. the town we're going to be in uh, the community we're going to be in is it's a, it's a resort municipality it's, it's a resort municipality <laughs> it, in the summer it fills up with uh, tourists and in the winter it really empties out. There's what, like 60 people that live there in the winter. Are there day. actually any people who live there? 60. Yeah. Where do they live? In houses. And King Tut's too? It is, if you sort of think uh, Old Orchard Beach or uh, Coney Island or I mean that's not quite the aesthetic but it's P.I.'s permitted attempt to be like that. So, But in the wintertime it bears no resemblance to that. Well it's more like a barren wasteland. The main intersection they actually turn the lights off. The street lights off. Yes, and they shut down the gas station because there's nobody to buy gas. Right. And all the restaurants and all the other accommodations other than Kindred Spirits Country and where the the conference is hosted are closed as well. Which is, I guess, by way of saying that you'd be heartily encouraged to actually stay at (laughs) Kindred Spirits Country and And bring some good all the best. Yeah. um, Just for those who who were at Zap 1, uh, at Zap 1 we were in the basement of one of the facilities at uh, Kindred Spirits. We're moving up to the lobby because it's the off season and, and the inn isn't open otherwise we're moving to the main lobby with a big fireplace and windows and, and comfortable chairs and antiques all over the place so it's going to be a much more comfortable living room feel um, is there still a pump organ in there uh, there still is a pump organ yeah and that well, i guess one of the aspects although the accommodations won't be included in the registration fee because there's sort of various accommodations options i guess the general assumption is that everyone will be staying out there and we're going to provide the food as part of the registration fee. It so might be so much of an assumption we could make a rule that you have to stay there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kinda, it, it's part of the experience is that we're you get a bunch of people there for the weekend, and if you if you're all staying in the same place, you can sit around the fireplace until two in the morning and talk if you like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just walk upstairs to your room rather than have to drive a half an hour to your through a hol- raging blizzard. Holiday <laughs> in. I guess the other thing I'm interested in in broadcasting is that it doesn't. We're not going to be talking necessarily exclusively about XHTML and, and the web AJAX and and certain decimal points and <laughs> so I mean we could in, in addition to coffee and tea we could be talking about 
the AIDS crisis in Africa, or, or politics, or, or, or politics, or the Firefox web browser. It's, or, it's, know, yeah, it's an extension of our lunchtime conversations yeah. that uh, I'm sure most people can relate to, and that you just talk about what's interesting to you at any given time. And <laughs> if we'll be true Islanders in February, we'll talk a lot about the weather. <laughs> I think we should talk Maybe a lot I about the weather. <laughs> Actually, yeah, weather's an interest of dance. Very much so. I would drive a thousand kilometers to see a tornado. <laughs> and I guess, given the possibility of bad weather, it's probably, if you're planning on coming, a good idea to not sort of think that you're going to like leave Boston on February 16th at 3 in the afternoon and get here at 6 and then leave Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably good to leave yourself a buffer, like come the day before and stay in Charlottetown, or just because there's a possibility that it will be impossible to get to Cavendish. Yeah. And we'll be, we'll be arranging transportation probably to and from the airport yeah. to the to the resort. Sure. But you can rent a car if you want to rent a car and yeah. tour the snow. And, and smash through the snow drifts <laughs> on the way out. You know, the more we talk about it, the uh, more excited I'm get about Zap 3. Yeah. Me too. Although it doesn't have canoes, I might bring one. I don't see why we couldn't have a canoe. We could just go sledding in canoes. Are the there hills in Catalyst? Um, there's one, on there's the Green Gables the hill is like straight down for 40 feet and then it stops. I mean, I suppose there are probably weird people who like winter and winter recreation and for that, those purposes there's lovely cross-country skiing. And there's beautiful cross-country skiing. There's 30 or 40 kilometers, I believe, of room trails um, on the golf course that is right beside um, the resort opened by the National Parks. Yeah. And it's probably possible to get a by invitation only tour of Green Gables House if you're... Yeah, if um, you're that way. we could actually just break in and have the tour because when the alarm goes off, they call my parents and ask them to look over to see if there's a fire raging. <laughs> and they would just say no. It's right. just Dan with his geeky friend. Exactly. Um, and if you've never uh, hopped on icebergs before, we could go to the beach and uh, do some iceberg hopping. I'm really? afraid of that. Oh, no, no, it's when the tide's out and they're all marooned in the beach. It's very entertaining. Okay. I've never, been, see some seals. I've never been to the beach with a true islander like yourself. Have you been yeah. to the beach in the, in the dead of winter? Actually, one year for Christmas, Captain, I went to the beach. It's fascinating. It was our right first there. year here. I broke my tailbone on uh, on the beach on uh, New Year's Eve one year. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually broke the bone of my tail. Okay. Um... <laughs> And you I don't want to bring clear anything up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like uh, another lemon iced tea. Could another lemon iced tea, that? another spring rolls? Order spring up. rolls, lemon iced tea, and water, but I won't get my This water. is the place where we'll insert, insert a musical stinger. <laughs> oh, you mean later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, now that Dan is gone, we can talk about the Web 2.0. Ajax yeah. and large text. Dan hates it. Yeah, Dan. Alright, he's coming back. Yep. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Did you actually place the order in that short amount of time? Well, the desk is right there. Okay. We should announce, actually, by way of thanking our hosts for allowing us to record in their back room, that there are exciting new developments in the Formosa Tios world, in case you happen to be a Charlottetown listener. Uh, there's a new Formosa Tios that opened this week up at Ellens Creek Plaza, for all the Ellens Creek Plaza people. And rumors of one opening down on Water Street sometime soon. And then also rumors of one opening in Dartmouth. So I'm a little concerned that the franchising might affect the... Uh, the overall feeling of the new establishment. Well, I share your concerns. It's the new Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not that far, but there was something about coming to someone's sort of house slash restaurant and having them give you stuff on. But my jury is out. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's after PRM three. Yeah, I think it's gonna be pretty good. We're well, excited. You should be too. Yeah. By the way, one of the uh, aspects of the uh, new developments here at the Formosa is that all the tables have numbers, and we're at number B three. Bingo. Did you know, by the way, that there is a subculture of people who go 
and stand in front of webcams and have the picture taken, and then they have people back at home save the webcam image? Right here. Do you uh, do that? Done that twice. Wow. People do that at Yankee. They stand in the parking lot, and then they knock on the door, and they say, what's the schedule for the webcam? When it's going to take its picture? So we're thinking of having, like, a giant red countdown thing. Back in uh, my crazy college days, uh, my roommate and I got dressed up in tank tops and shorts and uh, stood in the fountain in front of Robin's house. And so called be in front of your webcam. Oh, yeah, yeah. And called Steve to get him to <laughs> capture the image. Uh, Do you still have the image? I might still have those images. I should, I should put, put that in the show. Yeah. I also uh, did that from the top of Mount Washington as well. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Dan phoned us from the top of Mount Washington. And you saw him. And I uh, said, look at the webcam, and there he was. Um, it was totally webcam point. Can I have an unscheduled <laughs> question? Yeah. No. Do you guys listen to the podcasts of others or not? Occasionally. I really enjoyed the Foley's report. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get it out without laughing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. The Foliage podcast from Yankee Publishing has been surprisingly popular. Uh, the Foliage here, yeah. it's reached its prime. Totally beautiful. Yeah. Today, I think tomorrow will well, go down. This weekend, now. I was out in Cardigan on the weekend. The, the Foliage was absolutely fantastic. It's unbelievable. To the point where my little crappy cell phone camera took beautiful pictures yeah. of the Foliage. Yeah. Speaking of cameras, totally off topic. There is a, uh, there's three individuals at Silver Orange who are on the cusp of dropping some serious coin to get digital SLR cameras. We're pretty excited about really it. Really? Yeah, this, uh, the, uh, is it the Canon you're looking at? Yeah, the Canon. Are Rome. you one of the people? I am one of the people. Huh. Would you uh, buy one between you or each of you? No, no, one? we're all thinking about buying things. So, actually, I'd be interested in feedback from any listeners who have a uh, digital XT or a 20D uh, Canon and uh, tell us what you think and, and where a good deal is. And or if you have a used one you'd like to sell, we'd be interested. This week, uh, Nikon announced a new, much more expensive digital SLR, but uh, one that includes. Uh, built-in GPS, which is something that I think will, would be a great feature in a camera, but I'm not about to go buy an $1,800 camera. Well, I must say that having a camera in my cell phone has totally changed my relationship to photography. And I, I can say it's totally changed my relationship to your photo gallery. <laughs> I think it sucks now because your pictures are horrible. Well, well. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, no, it is true. I mean, I would like to have, uh, I would like to have a cell phone with a better camera, mm-hmm. but. If it's a difference between having no pictures and crappy pictures, I'll take right. crappy pictures any day. So. True. So uh, at the risk of asking questions about a revolution that happened two years ago, um, what's the process of actually taking photos with your cell phone and getting them online? Here, I'll do it. Live and on the radio. <laughs> it's so extreme. Here I go. He's taking taking my camera or my phone. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> Turn it on. Press you the just blew my mind. Press the camera button and point it at you and take a picture. I made a clever face. Okay, so now it says, please wait. And then I can send <laughs> it to you by cell phone or For I can a, like save it. For $60 or something? Uh, I think it costs 45 cents to send it to you. Which is kind of absurd. Yeah, it's completely absurd. But now I've saved it and I will now go back to the office. This is a Bluetooth capable phone. Okay, so you do sync. You're not using the cell phone network. Get it. No, no, I would never do that because it's crazy and expensive. Okay. But so I'll go back to the office and uh, I'll open up my little Mac OS X Bluetooth file browser and I will go to the pictures directory and drag and drop the photo onto my desktop and then upload it to the show notes. Well, that was uh, that was kind of disappointing. <laughs> That's not totally extreme at all. That's exactly what I do with my digital camera. Yeah. Well, the thing is that it's portable. I have an incentive to take it with me because it's a phone and yep. therefore it might ring. Fair enough. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are now, like the grandfather of this, or the granddaughter of this camera, has a, 
like a one megapixel chip in it, which is probably much better. This that is like, be I think this takes like a quarter of a megapixel. Yeah, it's like so in the Tesla. You asked a minute ago about podcasts where you're going somewhere. Oh that yeah. Or oh yeah. That well, I just I wondered whether, um, like I, I listen to, uh, I guess what's on my what do you call it subscription list is the Daily Source Code, which I am oddly compelled to listen to for reasons I don't understand. Um, I listen to the MacCast because I'm a Mac geek and it's a show by Mac geeks for Mac geeks. Um, I listen to Meet the Press. I listen to a lot of the BBC stuff, especially the movie reviews. Um, I unsubscribe from IT Conversations. Yeah, I unsubscribe from IT Conversations because I was just sick and tired of all the Dr. Fritz Rahuli talking about implications <laughs> of search technologies for the XTML DOM object model. <laughs> and uh, that's about all I listen to. So I have like four or five podcasts like right. that I listen to. Here's what I've got. Um, and an Active Volition Radio. Oh, thank you. New one coming up soon. I'm all hooked up. Uh, love the Lug Radio. Linux Users Group Radio. It's like the nerdiest thing ever. It's a bunch of four guys in Britain. Wolverhampton. And uh, they're just hilarious. And they're like total... It's, it's n- like... It's full-on nerdliness. It's like... It's kind of like if Slashdot or... That's L-U-G? L-U-G radio.org and it's um, it's really funny um, they actually get good guests on they, they, by, they bring in someone by phone every week or whatever they do it every couple of weeks and they're usually it's usually a developer on some significant project like they've had um, um, Miguel de Casa who's the, one of the founders of the GNOME project and whatnot. Um, Dignation yeah, I do actually. I do listen um, to Dignation. I find it vaguely annoying, but not annoying enough to. I find Dignation is you know, it's a podcast based on the Dig.com website, which is like a sort of a social networking tech news site or something. Um, and Kevin and Alex, these two guys, they just sort of go over the top stories of the week and just talk nonsense about it. And I think it's hilarious. It's I like, I laugh out loud every time I listen to it. I would like to think that it's hilarious in the same way that Live from the Formosa Dios is hilarious, but <laughs> I'm not sure. None of us is as funny as uh, Alex Oldbrand. Well, there's a lot, seems to be a lot of talk about beer and travel. Uh, they're all about the beer. They, they haven't, they... We're just missing the beer. Part of their stick is that they have a different beer every week, and they, they talk I about it. I didn't understand that, okay. Um, but it's just funny. They're just they have funny an guys. awesome theme song, i got to give them that. They do. Um... So what else do I listen to? Uh, not a whole lot else. Uh, do you listen in front of your computer or on a portable MP3 player? Do I still listen with my laptop. Okay. You're allowed to say it. I don't have an iPod. <laughs> Saying I don't have an iPod is the new I don't have a TV. Okay. But you do have a TV. Yes, I do. But I don't have an iPod. I just ordered the Eastlink digital video recorder yesterday, so I have like a TV oh, really? on steroids. Yeah. I think you have a TV problem, and we're going to have to confront you about it. I think we maybe have that to could be a, Maybe that could be a track at Zap your Yeah. Um, I could be locked in cabinets without a TV. What do you call that when you have uh, intervention? an intervention? Yeah. We're going to have an intervention. You are hooked on pop culture. <laughs> wow. Dan, do you listen to podcasts? Um, I'm very busy in the real world. Um, <laughs> and I, I resent that implication, but carry on. <laughs> um, and I haven't really gotten into anything, um, which is ironic because I'm part of a podcast. Well, apparently a pioneering podcast. Yeah. Um, I would like to, but I just haven't gotten into my routine yet. Um, but I do occasionally listen to Axelotion Radio, um, and I have listened to The Dignation. And I, I think to agree that they are some funny 
folks, but I think I it has a lot to do with alcohol consumption. It, well, it's just, like, the concept of Ignatian, I wouldn't have thought would have been very interesting. And just talk about these new stories. Don't you guys also like the... It's just one. Is it Stars on 45, Star Runner, Star... Home Star, Star Runner? Star Runner? Yeah, stars see. on 45. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a, another yeah, thing I can't I, grasp. I you probably like Trailer Park Boys, too. No, um, I never got into it. Okay, that's good. Home Star Runner, totally hilarious. Um, he did a great Halloween one. Uh, I watched the Halloween one last night. One of the guys was dressed up like a character from Devo. It was uh, hilarious. I think, actually, here I have a declaration to make about the internet and our culture in general. <laughs> um, the great art of our time, Photoshop art. We all think it's cheesy now. When we look back in 500 years, it'll be like, we'll be hanging it on our walls. What if you know? You should go to uh, longbets.com and make <laughs> a long bet with make a brand. Rakers Wild. Yeah. Uh, okay, what's next on the list? Um, the Wikipedia. Go. All right. The Wikipedia came out of a conversation uh, with a few of us that um, we're all amazed by the Wikipedia. It's amazing. Oh, pe- people know what it is or they can find out easily. You wouldn't think it would work, and it does. And, uh, oh, it was actually, there was a call for proposals by the provincial government here to, uh, to get involved in building the next generation of web tools and web systems. And as a web development company, we briefly thought, should we respond to that? And then we decided, now it would be better just to make a wiki and open it up. So we set up wikipedi.com, and, uh, PEI being Prince Edward Island, and, uh, it's, the idea is that it's a wiki about PEI and it has pages for each of the communities and it's it has we've seeded it with some sort of basic content and it hasn't really filled up a whole lot. But it has some have, decent Has anyone who you don't know actually contributed content yet? Um, a few there's been a few like anonymous contributions of, and in particular like just little things like spelling mistakes and um, but there hasn't been like I think right now I've probably written eighty percent of what's on there. And you wrote another five percent. Um, Take us up to eighty-five. Yeah, and uh, I don't know where the other. Uh, you know what? Something that I'm prone to think uh, by what you said is that it might be. Do you remember when we? Maybe it was even before Zapier VRAM. Maybe it. Maybe that's what begat Zapier VRAM was our uh, Dave Cairns, what's a weblog night out at UPI, which we had in the summer of two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the wiki thing is interesting because the wiki is so totally not Web two point in many ways, like it's web 0.98. Yeah. And, but, like, if I'm Joe Bed and Breakfast owner in Needle Point PEI, <laughs> I made a joke without even knowing. Um, I, I should be able to go and, like, enhance the Needle Point page on WikiPEI. I, I could have 50 pages there with all the things to do in my community and all how great my B&B is all that stuff. I added a page about my parents' cottage that they rent in the Exactly. Summer. But most people, it would blow their mind to know that they could do that because they seem... I mean, the conventional wisdom is that you have to pay Deco to go and make a web page well, for you. We, we Deco is a local <laughs> web developer for those who don't know. Great guy. Way to go, Deco. Internetworks.ca. Um, actually, Deco has a new web page, which I will promote for him, called whatwetalkedaboutatlunch.com. Really? Yeah. I saw it in this big super sign on University Avenue. So. You sure he's not just making fun of us? <laughs> no. Well, maybe he is. I don't know. And if you are a good one, Dika. Anyway, maybe, I guess what I'm getting at is maybe what we should do, uh, we uh, collectively... Teach the world what we do there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it might be interesting. Well, Dan and I were talking about this on the way over. Uh, 
open source software and wikis are two things that I think are on when you initially hear about them are counterintuitive. Completely, you, you yeah. wouldn't think that they would work. Well, even when I started the Wikipedia, which is the me wiki, everyone thought, including me, that it was going to be like people were going to come and write screw you all over it and that how could I just leave it open. And I probably get like three spam wiki posts a week that are usually just like endless um, hidden lists of Cialis yeah, so pointers and stuff. Anonymous and yeah. random. And probably robotic, I would imagine, yeah. by something that just goes around looking for wiki code and submits them. But um, other than Isaac posting compromising pictures of the two of you on your respective Wikipedia pages. Did you remove uh, those? No. Okay, good. <laughs> no, no. I, I have no I, problem I, with having no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Uh, but, but I mean, just that in terms of... Uh, uh, and I, you know, compromising is taking it too far. But anyway, it's gone very well. It's pretty close. <laughs> but, I mean, it's interesting that, uh, I think you're exactly right. People think that a wiki would be chaotic. And it is chaotic, but in a very useful way that bears little resemblance now to chaos. Now, we had a conversation here uh, a few months ago where you were, you were struggling with the concept of how much you could contribute um, to a wiki like Wikipedia. Um, and you were saying, well, maybe you should start Wiki Print Street and well document your your street that you live on. Um, and you find that the concept of documenting Prince Rhode Island is a, is a daunting challenge. You still feel that way? No, probably not. Okay. Well, we did PPI is, prob is probably a pretty good level. It, in my proposed world, where I this morning I was proposing that we should scrap uh, the nation state and uh, bring back the city state. And then we should have a uh, interconnected United set of United city state wiki. Well, yeah. the city states have lords. Lords. Like uh, uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I haven't worked out all the details. <laughs> um, but the uh, I did wonder when we set up Wikipedia if what we were going to do there shouldn't just happen on the Prince Edward Island page on the Wikipedia. Right. Right. Which there's a very good page about Prince Edward Island on the Wikipedia. Um, and the, the rationale for setting up another site was that um, it would be a little more it'd be nice to break outside some of the boundaries that work well for the Wikipedia but might be nice to not have well the Wikipedia I, I, my sense from the way you've structured it is not necessarily your your vision of it is not an encyclopedia article about Prince Edward Island no. it's more of a user editable text resource did you add the Wikipedia yeah. as a link at the bottom of the Wikipedia page I did excellent um Maybe we can talk about realcharlotte.com just for a second. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And maybe the interactive Google bus maps. Okay. Well, I started... Maybe we'll start there. I guess when Charlottetown got a public transit system, initially I thought it was a stupid idea and that the buses were ugly and that I should have nothing to do with it. And I still think the buses are ugly, but in a sort of endearing way. I'm completely opposed... Like in a dorky, cute way? Well, they, I guess to explain to the radio listenership... Um, the way that I love us... <laughs> The, the buses that they purchased or leased or whatever they did, the buses that are now roaming the streets of Charlottetown, there's four of them, and they look like ye olde trolley coaches. But they're on a modern bus with They're on a modern bus, yeah. And they have very uncomfortable um, bench, park bench, wooden seats inside them. And I initially thought that was totally playing into the whole ye olde vision of Charlottetown, which I'm so totally opposed to. But now I don't find them as annoying. I don't know why. They're sort of distinctive in a way which says this isn't your average transit system. 
Anyway, so I thought, I'm pretty committed to the notion of public transit, so maybe I should do my part in this sort of public service computing initiative. So <laughs> I also wanted to learn a little bit about Google Maps and using Google Maps, so I, I put together this application, which is at thebus.ca, or thebus.ca, which is just the, the Charlottetown Transit System route maps and bus stops overlaid on a Google map with sort of a clickable interface. It's, uh, as an unbiased third party, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it's, it's, in terms of its practical utility, I need to do somewhat more. Like, for example, if you click on a particular bus stop, you can find out when the bus stop's there, but you can't find out when it's going to end up where you want to go and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So there's some rough edges around it. But yeah, I think it's, it's certainly a more useful thing than the PDF files that the city of Charlottetown has. I think just being able to look at all of the routes together on one map. To, uh, as a visualization maps. tool, it's excellent. Now, I think, yeah. So anyway, I sort of thought, well, now I know something about Google Maps, let's try something else. So I've had this real Charlottetown dot com sort of protest domain name registered for several years as a in a reaction to virtual charlottetown.com and I've used it for various things including at one point a wiki I think um, so I found a new use for it which is to take a google map write up some code that allows people to drop their own annotations on it and so like a wiki for maps yeah a mickey <laughs> <laughs> let's coin the never term never right say now. that again <laughs> I like it uh, and so the idea is you go to realchildown.com, you click on the map, and you type in a name, you can put some tags, you can put a description, and you save, and it tags that place on the map. So I could go find my house and tag put in Dan and, and Becky's house. Exactly. And uh, so to start with, it was just like a Google Maps hack to see how you could make self-annotating Google Maps. They're not self-annotating, but annotatable Google Maps. But I guess the other thing is that uh, I had this idea maybe two or three months ago about when we're talking about places, that it would be useful to have a open database, like a freely available database of location information. So where's the banks, where's the ATMs, where's the bakeries, where's the dentist offices? Because right now, there are like yellow pages type companies that, where you can license that information, but there's no freely available sort of thing. So realtrialatdown.com on another level is just a way of accumulating that in a sort of group constructed sort of way. Are you gonna allow, say, comments, where if we were to put Here's where the formless ETFs is. Is there going to be some ability to say, get the lemon iced tea? It's fantastic. Don't get the so and so. Yeah, I think I thought I thought that that would be where it might go. Like right now, there's you can annotate the map, and there's an RSS feed that you can subscribe to, which just gives you all the new places mm -hmm. that get added, and with clickable links to the map that zooms in on that place. But yeah, there could be an RSS feed of comments and the ability to leave mm -hmm. comments. Something I'd like to see there, semi-related. Uh, I ran into this with the Wikipedia. It would be. Um, a nice way to integrate Google Maps or some mapping service with, with MediaWiki. Um, so you could say, you know, I could give, you know, the page about Cavendish PEI, just drop in some coordinates and have it have a small little Google map that shows the context that you could that you could browse to see where it is. I thought about that. Um, like I thought about making each geolocation on the map a wiki page, basically. Mm -hmm. But I sort of started to think that maybe I'm interested more in pithy little information as opposed to comprehensive information. Mm -hmm. So what I really want to know is that there's an ATM machine here. The fact that it's blue and green and was installed there. But wouldn't you want to know, like, if it's going to charge you 50 cents when you take out yeah, the money? Yeah, but that could be a paragraph. Hmm. And, and I think it should be editable. So I, mean, I think it should, have, it should inherit things from the wiki paradigm. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily need to be the wiki paradigm. Hey, I can be pompous with the best. Anyway, so go to realsolidtown.com if you live in Charlottetown and you can help annotate. Yeah, cool. How difficult would it be for someone to take what you did 
and make it realothercity.com. Uh, well, I haven't Real published. I, I haven't published the source code to it yet, so it would be. For shame. Um, <laughs> but I will. Sure. I, actually, the complete source code and the data set and everything else you'd ever want to know about the bus.ca is in my wiki. And if you go to the bus.ca, there's a link there, so you can grab that code and make the bus. Realshelbyville.com. Exactly. Um, on the, have you thought about combining the concepts where on the bus page allowing people to say, you know, this is where I mean, because it's only the official bus stops that are listed. Right. It right. stops at all stop signs, and you know, there's places other people get on the bus. Have you ever thought about allowing people to say, I get on the bus here every day at 9:30? Let's so hang. Let's hang. Or just saying, you know, letting people know that. Yeah. It's gonna, actually, it's I not did think about. Stop in I did think about turning every. Allowing people to annotate the bus map and also turning every bus stop into a wikiable page. But I was unsure as to what you would. Here are the like. people that sit at this bus stop. <laughs> well, there are comfortable chairs. You can sit on the bus stop online. I just knew you But anyway, going back to our original thread three threads ago, maybe. Maybe we're getting distracted and annoyed by all this web toy. To, I can't even say. You're not going to start this. No, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about that. I but have an unbelievable hate on for the web. Yeah, and we can't go further than that because Dan will get angry and the whole podcast will descend into evil. But maybe it would be interesting for us to do something at UPI like we did a couple of years ago about wikis and open data and Google Maps and just sort of the notion of open source. Those things that you said were counterintuitive open source, open data, and... Uh, most people don't know about the Wikipedia. No. Um, I was helping um, some people look up some stuff on the weekend, and I was like, have you tried the Wikipedia? And they said, what's that? And I showed them, and they... It was like showing them the holy grail of knowledge. They couldn't believe that that existed on the Internet. It is amazing. Next on the list. The GNOME Summit. All right, I'm going to keep... You're this on your own. I'm going to keep this brief. Um, what is GNOME, Stephen? Do you have a t-shirt on? GNOME, or GNOME, no, no I don't, is a uh, open source Linux, it doesn't have to be Linux, but it's usually on Linux uh, desktop. It's like, kind of makes Linux be like Windows or the Mac. Gives you the... So would it be accurate to say that GNOME is to Linux as Windows is to DOS? Yeah. In a meta level? Yeah, actually, that's 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 appropriate. Um, for people who... Uh, Use DOS as their base point for understanding <laughs> new ideas. New ideas. Uh, anyway, we went to this. A uh, few of us from Silver Orange uh, went to the. It's called Gnome, but I hate saying Gnome because it sounds so dope. Is it really so called Gnome it's by the really Gnome? Really called Gnome. Wow. People that, that that named it say. Not to say that the GNU is actually pronounced Gnu. I don't know. Oh, okay. I think so though. But is the G in Gnome? I'm being very distracting, but is the G in GNOME the same conceptual G as in GNU? I think it actually stands for GNU. Okay. So it's the GNU network uh, operating oriented metaphorical metaphor is ecstatic. Okay. I will not interrupt <laughs> you anymore. Go I have on. no idea what it stands for. Uh, so we went to the, they, they have a, uh, a GNOME Summit conference at uh, MIT in Boston every fall, and it's like a bunch of the developers get together and have a weekend where they work on stuff and, and hammer out some ideas that are that's easier to do in person. And uh, I went along, and I was a little concerned in going along. I went last year as well because I'm not really a, a developer, and I was worried that I might sort of get in the way. This isn't like a conference with like a keynote speaker. It's like this is like room 401. They'll be working on the print dialogue, and people are actually like a barn raising. <laughs> they call it a hack fest. 
and people are like hacking on stuff. People are really working and doing stuff. So I was concerned that I might be just sort of in the way, but I was very interested in seeing how that works. And it turns out, um, going there as a web developer, um, and a web designer, uh, those skills were quite appreciated. And um, I helped out with a talk about uh, um, how to make your project website better. And well, we talked a lot about using MediaWiki um, to make websites that don't feel like weird, ugly wikis. And actually, a new project was born out of that. Um, Garrett Lesage and I, he's a designer who works at Novell now. He's well known for, he worked at uh, Red Hat and designed the Blue Curve theme, that, oh, that yeah. sort of branded Red Hat Linux distributions for a couple of years. We're starting a new project to see if I can s describe this. It's to create a, uh, a base theme or skin for some of the common web publishing systems like MediaWiki and WordPress and Planet. Um, so that they can all use one CSS file together. So you can set up a site um, you, that has like a, a WordPress blog and a MediaWiki oh, aspect okay. and a planet aggregator, and they'll all look like they're part of the same Sort of website. like the Rookipedia and Rook.ca. Well, very much like that, actually. Yeah, you've kind of done that with your own site. So but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't an easy thing to do. Well, what we found was that I, I had done this on my own a couple of times for some of our projects, and um, Garrett had done it a whole bunch of times for a bunch of the Novell projects that he's been working on. And we figured, we've each been thinking on our own, I should really um, get all the common work that I do every time, that 95% uh, before I start customizing the sites and make it simple base theme. Oh, that's an excellent idea. Yeah, so we've, uh, we've got That's kind of not the Tango that. project, though. That's this is not the Tango project. So what's project. this project called? It's called Springboard. Oh, you have to name. Yeah, it took us a long time, and it was an embarrassing. See, process. I can, I, Gary I can, Pummel horse I can <laughs> immediately think of several, like a lot of the work that I do for Yankee, for example. We use like Dot Project for project management, and we might use MediaWiki for Wiki stuff, and we have our own web admin control panel, and they all look different. And they all have their own authentication schemes, and mm -hmm. uh, but if they all, to begin with, could sort of have well, hooks into. Yeah, I mean, this isn't gonna like unify your. Uh, authentication scheme no, or anything but like that. But it will, and the idea also, in a simpler s sense too, is just to be able to get a MediaWiki theme that, uh... Familiar voices? Hey, Kevin. I bring greetings. <laughs> that was Kevin O'Brien. That was a cameo. Yeah. yeah. Kevin was at Zapier Pier M1. Yeah. Is our web provider. Our friend. And our confidant. <laughs> Kevin, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... So where can we yes. find out information about Springboard? At springboard.org? Uh, now we don't have a website set up yet. Um, we're barely, the project barely exists. Um, but there will be more. I'll post about it on my web blog when there's more. Um, so the other project that was uh, I was somewhat involved with at the GNOME Summit was the Tango project. And that is a project to help uh, unify the visual consistency of applications on the Linux desktop. So right now, if you're running a Linux desktop, you've got KDE or GNOME, which are two sort of competing desktops, and they each have their own look and feel. And then you run Firefox, and it has its own look and feel. It integrates somewhat, but not completely. And you've got OpenOffice, and it has its own look and feel, and they all look different and weird. And it's up to each set of developers to implement. A lot of duplicated work. Um, so the idea is to create a unified um, icon naming scheme so that people can create themes that will work across these different platforms and applications. 
So the Tango project is doing that and is also working on a theme, a Tango icon theme that um, some of the guys that at Novell, some of the artists there are working on. And so the idea is that this is just the application icons, but this could be like the file open icon on your toolbar exactly. in, in any application. Toolbar icons. Um, and the way it works on for most GNOME and KDE applications is that those ap those icons can just be inherited from the operating system. You know, each application doesn't have to draw them on their own. Right. But then um, not every application does that, so there's a lot of reuse and redrawing. And so you know, there's like 15 different folder icons that all look kind of the same, but not quite. So this project is trying to make them all look but good. You're not going as far as um, like on OS 10. I guess there's like a whole. Apple document that says this is how applications work. Well, that that, that would be the the ideal end goal for the project, but that's I don't know if we'll ever get nearly that far. But for now, it's focusing on icons, and so that project was announced um, at the Gnome Summit and it was well received, and it was sort of fun to be a part of. It's it was a neat example actually of a project that's. Um, where we're all working on it online, and people are there's a bunch of people from from Cambridge near Boston. Um, I'm working on it from PEI. There's some people from all over Europe working on it. Um, this guy from Utah, and there uh, we all ended up most of us together in Boston for one weekend. Um, and you didn't even I didn't even quite realize how international the project was until we were all sitting there with our own uh, accents. Yeah. yeah, cultural bias. Cool. Yes. Um, so that was the summit. It was interesting to go see uh, a bunch of open source people doing open source. work. Like one day, uh, IBM bought pizza for everyone, and it was impressive to see a corporation so that understood these people were refined. If there were a hundred people at the conference, and there were roughly a hundred, yeah, a little, uh, a little less. What would the percentage breakdown of laptops on their laps be in terms of Linux, Windows, and OS X? Oh, it would have been ninety-five percent Linux. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a Linux developers for Linux right. thing. I mean, there were a few people with Macs there, um, and everyone. I doubt there was a Windows machine there. Can I just add, for uh, posterity's sake, that Windows sucks? <laughs> <laughs> but it has a pretty good boot up time. Yes, I guess. That's I the guess. only redeeming feature of it. Uh, that's good because you have to reboot it. <laughs> <laughs> I just the reason I say that is because I have the only I have a virtual. Uh, PC Windows machine running Windows 2000 on my Mac, which I only use for Quicken to do the accounts for the business. It's my only use for it. And I, every time I use it, what I, oh, I tried to, I bought some uh, songs from a Quebec-based French-language music store that turned out to be DRM Windows media files that you can only play under Windows. And to upgrade to the latest version of Windows Media Player and then to get them authenticated and to, oh, it was just... Like I had to reboot and blah, blah, blah. it was just it made me feel happy to be in my own little Mackey type of office. Yeah. So great job, brother. Next. Q S C Queen Street Commons. Oh, it's you, brother. Um last time we did this show we probably had just gotten the Queen Street Commons underway. Um, Queen Street Commons is located uh, at two twenty four Queen Street in Charlottetown and also at Queen Street Commons dot org. Would that be in the blogosphere? Uh, no, it's just it's just on the internet. <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes. And it's Web 1.0, proudly, um, and it works just fine. Um, anyway, the uh, we had started, and we probably had a few members last time, but uh, over the summer months, over the last three or four months, we've gotten up to 
actual sustainability where we have enough members, we have over 30 now, who are using the building on a regular basis um, and it's going really, really, really well. Um, and we've actually had three or four other people contact us and say, we're going to start one of these in our city and we'd like to start a network of commons so your membership here would be valid at, okay, your, yeah. at your membership in Vancouver. So we, we've had contact from people in Vancouver, from Toronto and some down in the States um, to start a similar venture to the commons here and start to create some relationships between them all. So it's been a pretty cool thing to watch. We had our first members meeting last night with uh, as many members as can make it and it was really interesting to hear them talk about the ownership they feel in the building and the, you know, kind of the ownership and the idea and willing to put time and energy and elbow grease into making the place better. So it's really going as we thought it should um, and we're really pleased to, to see that and if you want to stop by and see it send me an email, let me know when you'll be around, and we'll give you a tour through it. Um, and we're going to be expanding it in the winter months. We're going to be finishing the renovations on the building and, and really kind of finishing off that building and that project. So it's been pretty cool and exciting. So it worked. So it worked, yeah. That's basically... Maybe as Dr. Fear on 3, we could have like an in-city field trip tour of the Queen Street Commons. Yeah, I don't think it's that exciting to actually travel 30 minutes. Although we have people travel, um, they're from Vancouver, and they were in Ottawa for a week, and they flew to the East Coast to come see the Queen Street Commons for a day. I don't um, think it's that exciting. You've got those cool walks. Well, maybe at the at, at the ZAP I could make a presentation about yeah, the yeah. Queen Street Commons. Um, and I know Cynthia is probably going to be coming yeah, that could to the ZAP too. And, and just talk about what it is and how it started, things like that. So. That's it. Like it's to mention good. It's that awesome. I can now tell because there's a window here in the back room that the sun just came up as you were talking about the Queen Street Commons. Really to accent the foliage. The foliage, yeah. The foliage here in PEI is beautiful. Yeah. We said that earlier. It does. It bears repeating. By the way, foliage, <laughs> that means leaves in the stick. Yeah, <laughs> on the trees, preferably. Yeah. And you can go to yankeefoliage.com to get the complete New England foliage picture. Yeah. And you can go to hortonbrasses.com to uh, buy some antique brass hardware. Yeah. To, to accent your foliage-laced house. I was just doing a client pitch because I thought that's what you were doing. Right. No, I was trying to help the people with their foliage needs. This is total Web 1.0 level thing. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, uh, yeah, do we want to... Well, is there anything more you want to say about the Queen Street Commons? No. Okay. Not at all. That's it. Um, SWAT. We forgot to put that on our list and I thought of it halfway through the show. Silver Orange, our web development company that Dan and I are involved in, has released our first real full-on open-source project, and we're totally excited about it. It's excited. called SWAT. It stands for the uh, SWAT Web Application Toolkit, or the Silver Orange Web Application Toolkit. <laughs> it's one of those it's GNU a re a recursive, recursive acronyms. Wow, cool. And a little long history of nearly terrible acronyms. Um, it's a PHP 5-based, uh, uh, basically a, a toolkit in PHP 5 to make it easier to create um, interface elements for things like forms and fly-down lists and you know, things, add error checking and all that kind of stuff. Um, SWAT.SilverOrange.com has the uh, media wiki-based website of it, and it's got all the information. And uh, we're starting to build all of our new um, projects on it, and it's uh, we have a couple of guys at Silver Orange that are really good engineers, and it's really well thought out, and I think it's going to be a good project. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not a new, it's a new project to the public, but it's actually the third or the fourth iteration 
third, I think. Third. We've we've had internally a, a set of code that we've always developed on. Um, we've called them series. Um, so we had the S series, which was built in Full Fusion, the first language we programmed in. And then we had the P series, which is built in um, PHP. And they were really just a collection of classes that helped us do what we do. But we really felt that this time around when we redeveloped that we wanted to open source it because there were some helpful things there. We're not really counting on a whole bunch of other people to assist in the project, but we think to release it as open source makes us write better code, better documentation. Um, and, and some people are interested. It has really worked, actually. No. The idea of releasing it, keeping in mind that it would be released open source from the very beginning of the planning, helped us. Um, it was like it's a motivator to make sure that you I document. I, uh, I, I found that exactly the same thing when I was releasing the code for the bus map. Mm -hmm. Is that I I commented it and organized it and just structured it in a way that I never would have had the discipline to do yeah. if I was only yeah. ever. And even if you're the only person who ever yeah, uses it, so when you fun. come back to it in six months, it'll be a treat. Mm -hmm. yeah. and actually, that's exactly right too. I know there have been times when I've for some reason had extra time on my hands and I've been able to devote twice as much time to a project as I would have otherwise. Yeah. And when you devote that extra time, what you have to always remember is that when you come back to code nine months later, you will remember none of it. Yeah. And if you leave little messages to yourself in the future, and for time well spent. for a company with more than one programmer, that's unbelievably well, yeah, important yeah, because yeah. it could be that someone's going to work on it the next day, yeah. but if they didn't have good documentation, it's all that's one of the things that has confounded me for years that I've never really needed to understand because I've always really held everything in my head and never had to work collaboratively, or never been in a situation where I was working collaboratively on code is that a lot of, there's a whole layer of tools and ideas and approaches to coding and programming that has to do with making, keeping things from turning into spaghetti. Not spaghetti code, but sort of not being able to find things. And It's just like putting things in their own folder and adding comments to code and all those sorts of things, which are just good practice, even if it is just you. Mm -hmm. So I can see as you add people to a team, it becomes even better. It's worked very well for us, and I do think as a result it'll be useful for other people, yeah. but we're not expecting it to be a revolutionary, but I think some other people will probably find it useful. You said something the other day at a non-recorded live from the Rolls DM about, uh, yeah, you, Dan, sorry, you, Dan. <laughs> uh, we were talking about project management systems, and you said mm -hmm. something like project management systems that you... It's hard to wear someone else's project management system sometimes, and I found that too. Like, we use Doc Project, for example, as I said at Yankee, but it's like wearing someone else's underwear often because <laughs> their approach to project management is different from yours. Right. Do you think that the same thing applies to SWAT, or because it's sort of more subatomic, that it's I more think useful? That I think that the things we're providing in SWAT are so generic and specific that, I mean, like, there's a calendar widget, and I mean, that type of thing is, is helpful for someone. Um, if we were to, you know, squeeze somebody else into our intranet or um, other things that we've developed, or try and take the e-commerce system we developed for Vessies and try and squeeze in another company that doesn't work quite like Vessies, then yeah, I think it would, it would feel like wearing someone else's underwear. Probably more like wearing someone else's shoes. Although um, that said, um, there is a reason that we didn't that we did go and develop our own toolkit rather than using something else that was already out there and. Um, I think we're in a unique situation where we have a lot of our own clients to maintain with legacy code and we wanted to um, build something that kept addressed all of that and so we were from, from the beginning we kept in mind that if when we release this as an open source project if nobody else ever uses it that's fine it was still worth releasing because um, it would have given us some discipline to document it. 
I must say, just speaking of your date picker, it is remarkable to me because I make a lot of, relatively speaking, a lot of car rental and airline reservations, and every one of those different car rental and airline sites has a different date picker, and it's remarkable to me some, how bad some of them oh, are. Some of them are I mean, some of them are like 55k Java applets that you could type in the date completely before. Right, and some of them don't allow you to type in the date completely. No, no. And as soon yeah. as you start typing, it pulls up their horrible visual calendar. Yeah. And this isn't, SWAT isn't going to solve that problem because it's tied specifically to the PHP platform. So right. it's not going to be something that everybody uses. Mm -hmm. But if you are, if, particularly if you're using PHP already and you're looking and you're building web applications, it's probably worth looking at at least. But it might be the kind of thing where it'll feel like using wearing someone else's yeah, underwear. Yeah, I might just try it out and see. I'll report back in the next. See uh, how you maybe like in the next. Maybe at the next uh, live from the Formosa, we'll all wear each other's underwear. Okay. What if I don't? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners at home, they all just agreed with that. <laughs> uh, anything else we need to talk about? Um, apparently not. I'm all hepped up on lemon iced tea now, so it's going to be a very productive afternoon for me. We've uh, definitely consumed more than our usual amount of uh, beverages and food. We should report at the dramatic menu changes at the Formosa deals. Spring rolls. Spring rolls have replaced Your the snack. old dumplings. Mm -hmm. Um Excellent. I had two orders of them today. I would say that they're my new favorite item on the menu. Mm -hmm. I haven't had them for like the last two weeks, but I might go back to them. They're gold. They have a nice little dollop of hot sauce, which I it turned me on to the hot sauce. Mm -hmm. And then last week, there was a dramatic redesign of the menu, which included... Probably with their franchising. Probably, yeah. yes. So now they have fried a small order of fried dumplings, which I think is two twenty-five. Correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. And then a large order of boiled dumplings for... A Five or six dollars, which Jody had at lunch this afternoon, which she spoke very highly of. So yeah, good. So uh, I think that's the only change. Uh, the uh, Formosa building now also bright yellow. That's true on the outside. Mm -hmm. And the new Formosa, which I just took my head up in at Ellen's Creek Plaza, its interior is surprisingly like this back room. Hmm. So drop in. So uh, send us your feedback to some address that we'll post in the show notes. <laughs> Uh, you can just respond to the blog post the blog where you comments. find this post. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, that was live from Formosa for Wednesday, November second, two thousand and six, two thousand and five. I was about to say I was impressed that you knew the date. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, zappyfreerm.org slash three. And uh, yeah, it'll be great. Maybe you're even invited. February sixteenth to the nineteenth, two thousand and six. Yeah, that is Zappy three. That was live from the Formosa Tea House for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2005. For more information and show notes, visit livefromtheformosateahouse.com.